All right, Ryan, here's another pretty exciting kind of hybrid special edition bleeding claret and cobalt. We have received permission from the folks over at Sirius XM, our good friend Brian Dunseth, his co-host Tony Miola, and their producer Andrew Williams, their executive producer Joe Tolleson, have given us permission to uh, distribute the recent David Blitzer, the new owner of Ray Salt Lake, their interview with David uh, right here on our feed. So as we've done in the past with Spencer Checkets and ESPN 700, um, we are kind of co-opting a little bit of RSL content and getting it out uh, from behind the SiriusXM paywall just for you, the Bleeding Claret and Cobalt subscribers. So... Um, Ryan, this is a pretty, I don't know even what the right words are. I mean, the hearing and seeing David and Ryan together on January 5th and 6th in and around the ownership announcement was exciting. I think uh, these are two guys that really have a magical connection in terms of their shared uh, dream for what soccer in Utah and what RSL can can mean to the local, national, and international worlds of soccer. MLS Commissioner Don Garber publicly called this a dream partnership, a perfect partnership, if you will. Um, guys from the league told me privately, hey, you guys won the jackpot with these with these owners in this group. So um, obviously excitement's at an all-time high. We're still in the honeymoon phase. We don't quite know the specifics of what is RSL's relationship going to be with the other Blitzer properties, whether um, that's the Philadelphia 76ers in the NBA, whether that's the New Jersey Devils in the NHL, or whether it's the six European soccer teams, including Crystal Palace in England, Augsburg in Germany, Adio Den Haag in uh, the Netherlands. Uh, we'll get to them in a minute. Estoril in Portugal, Alcarcon in Spain, and then... Uh, and then Wasland in Belgium. So, you know, obviously the Bundesliga team and the Premier League team, Augsburg and Crystal Palace are the two big ones. Um, Estoril has also just recently been promoted into the first division in Portugal. So those are their three first division teams over there. Uh, Alcorcon, uh, Den Haag, and uh, Wasland are all second division teams. A couple of them are even in the relegation zone right now. I don't know the dates of when they were acquired by Blitzer's uh, football holdings group um, off the top of my head, but I think it's exciting for us to know that, and this is one of the things that David and Ryan both said locally in Salt Lake, is the market for RSL just got a lot bigger. And and what does that mean? That means that maybe Crystal Palace fans will choose RSL as their American team. I know David in this interview coming up with with Dunny and Miola talks about how um, he hopes that uh, maybe RSL fans adopt Crystal Palace as their Premier League team, and certainly Ricardo Pepe uh, being bought by Augsburg for twenty million is a sign of kind of the deep pockets that they have. And um, you know the imagination runs wild. Maybe we do a preseason tour at some point of some of these spots. Uh, maybe these teams come and play at Rio Tinto stadium at some point. Maybe we are able to grab some Academy kids and throw them uh, in an immersive experience over there in one of these European uh, cities. And, and, you know, 
as Dunny will tell you, um, the Netherlands team, Audio Den Haag, they used to be first division, now they're second. But that league is famous for just being a development breeding ground for um, outstanding talent. But anyway, uh, there's some fun stuff in this interview. Dunny shares uh, a story from uh, the lunch that he had post-press conference with uh, David Blitzer, Ryan Smith, Nick Romando, Kyle Beckerman, where they talk about Tony Miola. I don't want to ruin the story. And then, uh, you know, David's a guy who grew up in North Jersey and actually played uh, football and basketball and baseball against Tony Miola. So uh, there are some fun personal anecdotes in this about 25-minute interview. But my big takeaway, and I apologize for rambling, but my big takeaway every time I hear David Blitzer talk is simply how excited he is um, for – the future of Real Salt Lake, and then also him acknowledging that he bought this team, they bought this team because of the fan base, because of the infrastructure, because of the history, uh, because of how this team ran itself effectively without an owner for 17 months. And he's kicked the tires on a lot of MLS opportunities, and he felt like this timing um, and – and this state of Utah, this jewel, as he said, it used to be a hidden jewel. Now it's just a jewel, uh, are the reasons that that he has felt so strongly. So obviously over time, there'll be a lot of best practices shared between all of these properties. But from a football standpoint, this academy, this infrastructure, these facilities, both in Sandy and Harriman, uh, really are a point of pride. And I think it's been uh, somewhat publicized, but fans should know that both Blitzer and Smith – um, are putting significant resources not just onto the rosters on the field, but also into the facilities to enhance uh, the fan experience. So you'll see some things by March 5th. You'll see other things over the course of the year, and, and you'll see some big uh, major improvements over the course of the next year or two because these things do take time. Nothing happens in a vacuum. But all in all, I think uh, – for the fans that have been with RSL through thick and thin. And I call this RSL 4.0 because you had Dave Checkets by himself. You had Dave and Deloy together. Then you had Deloy Hansen by himself. Um, I guess then you did have a little bit of a period where uh, we were effectively a league run team. But 4.0 under Blitzer and Smith, the future is very, very bright. Doesn't mean it's going to be easy. Doesn't mean it's not going to come without its – um, setbacks, but uh, the opportunities are great, and the enthusiasm is at an all-time high, and uh, these guys really do want to put people in a position to uh, conduct their business, whatever aspect of club business it is, to the best of their abilities. And now we have uh, a supporting network uh, that reaches across the worlds of professional sports, that reaches uh, across the pond into uh, various markets on the soccer side. So just uh, incredibly, incredibly excited. Before we get to David's interview, Ryan, just uh, give me your thoughts on, on. Um, I mean, you were there that day in Sandy uh, with the announcement. And uh, I guess first and foremost, as a, as a Utah resident, when you heard that Ryan Smith and the Jazz were going to be a part of this mix too, uh, what went through your mind? Well, a couple of things. Uh, first off, I want our listeners to know that Trey can ran, run off the name of uh, the Blitzer teams without anything in front of him. That was all from <laughs> right from his, <laughs> off the top of his head. Um, but yeah, no, this, this has been a, it's been a very 
I mean, I feel like I was close to everything as things were happening. I mean, I have, you know, I, I can text you and whatever, and like, I, yeah. I know what's going on in the club. When Ryan Smith was attached at the very end, it did take me, I, I was surprised a little bit. Sure. By that, you know? I think I, everybody I, was. <laughs> I think so. I mean, that wasn't something that was like, I mean, all of us were hoping for that. Um, you know, I, how many times have we like, you know, uh, us on the RSL Twitter, how many times have we like been uh, liking every basically, you know, sort of mention RSL directional uh, that Ryan Smith has been putting up for the last two years. You know, it's like um, we've been waiting for something like that because we do want, we, we, we take it seriously. We want, we want someone to come in here and understand that this is the place to be. Like Utah is the place for this team to be, not it just happens to be here. Like the, RSL belongs in Salt Lake. And uh, I think Ryan brings that to that that group. And I think David uh, Blitzer, he definitely has, you know, he has, he see something here. I'm very hopeful and very optimistic. Um, obviously change is always fun and exciting. So, um, what's great for right now for fans is that they have right now in the next few weeks, they have the perfect time to prove that those things they said in the, in the press conference were true, that they're, you know, not to, you know, like where, what you're are only giving be? them a couple weeks, <laughs> well, huh? There's only <laughs> what, players are coming back like in days, right? Like yeah. we're, we're on the hours countdown for yeah. players to start coming back. And this, this, uh, you know, we're, barely a month away from, you know, meaningful games being played. So things do need to start happening. Like, I'm not going to say I'm, you know, I don't want to get too intense about it, but we got some games yeah, to play. No, so I mean, time is of the essence for sure. And I think these guys realize this for sure. They're excited. Um, again, everybody around the league is excited. Obviously a bit of a truncated off season because of uh, the World Cup coming up in Qatar. But I also think the World Cup coming up here in the U.S. in 2026 is a factor in these guys wanting uh, to kind of get in a little more or less on the on the MLS ground floor uh, before what's expected to be a new uh, media rights deal and for the league. And then obviously the run-up to World Cup 2026 is going to be a special, special time here for the sport in our country. And uh, MLS is always on the uptick a new stadium in Charlotte this year, um, new team, uh, new stadium, sorry, in Nashville, new team in Charlotte. So uh, this this league continues to grow. Apparently team number 30 is going to go to Vegas, which means we'll have another uh, little rivalry for Salt Lake here within driving distance. Um, so we'll have Rocky Mountain Cup on one side, um, whatever we end up calling the, the Vegas Derby. Um Saints and Sinners is kind of overplayed and uh, tired, but it's something people gravitate to. So anyway, it's a little off topic, but anyway, again, our thanks to our friends over at Sirius XM. First and foremost, Brian Dunseth, the premier ambassador for Real Salt Lake in the history of this club. And then obviously uh, Tony Miola, we got to get him out here to see a game. And um, Joe Tolleson, the executive producer, Andrew Williams, the Chelsea fan who takes enormous abuse uh, from Dunny on Twitter, completely unnecessarily. A-Dub is a great guy, and uh, we just appreciate them giving us this chance to share with you these 25 minutes with David Blitzer. Hey guys, uh, Ryan and I love bringing you this content uh, multiple times per week or per month, and we couldn't do it without Adam Sessions at OneWire. And we really want you to experience the level of customer service that Adam and all of his 
colleagues at OneWire provide their clients, their uh, business partners, their constituents. So um, if you're not a business owner, tell your boss to uh, uh, upgrade their voice and their business communications by going over to OneWire.co and check out all the services uh, that OneWire has to offer. Adam's a big soccer fan. We've converted the whole office into uh, supporters of RSL. And um, we just ask that you, if you have any opportunity whatsoever uh, in your business, your family's business, um, or your, you know, in your circle of, of influence to uh, refer one wire because uh, there is no doubt in my mind that they'll be able to handle all of your uh, voice communications and uh, other business uh, tech needs. So go over again to the number one wire.co and you can see the uh, depth and breadth of options available. So that's it for our proud partner, one wire. This is Counterattack with Tony Miola. You're like the white New Balance sneakers. And Brian Dunseth. All black Jordans with gold tinted around the Jordan 1 logo. Welcome back into Counterattack here on this Thursday afternoon. Uh, thanks for spending a, a portion of your day with us here. Of course, uh, our next guest, he owns 10 different professional sports teams in seven different countries. And Dunny, as you know, most recently added Real Salt Lake into the uh, MLS uh, portfolio here and his portfolio. And by the way, I did read online that he's from Scotch Plains, Fanwood High School. So we're going to have to go there in a little bit. David Blitzer <laughs> joins us now. David, thank you so much for your time. This is a, a huge treat for us. Uh, look, thanks so much for having me on. It's, it's, it's a treat for me. So I'm sure we'll have some fun with this. And uh, I'm really happy to be here. Okay, so let, let's start. First off, congrats on, on the purchase, right? So my, my first thought when guys come into the league, why MLS, why Real Salt Lake, and, and why now? Yeah, look, um, so let's start with big picture. Um, so I've invested in a variety of um, soccer teams in Europe, and I have been thinking about and looking to do something in the U.S., uh, in the MLS specifically, for I don't know, pretty much. I, I lived in London from uh, 01 to 11. So I had like a decade run living in Europe. I moved back in 2011 and frankly met Don Garber pretty early on, maybe early 2012-ish and talked to Don about a variety of situations over, you know, I guess coming up close to, to close to 10 years on this point. So, so I've always wanted to invest in the MLS. It was finding the right situation along kind of the journey. Um, and really it was, it was a couple of things, but I'd say first and foremost, again, it started with what do I think of, so I'm, I'm bullish on the MLS. I'm bullish on U.S. soccer. Then once you start looking at within the league, et cetera, you want to be in a great and growing market. And Real Salt Lake ticks that right? great history, terrific growth, terrific people, terrific fan base, terrific infrastructure, et cetera. Um, and then the key was finding uh, and, and agreeing on the right partnership, right? And so that all came together. Real Salt Lake being for sale, basically, right? The, the, the league was looking for a new ownership group, no, no question. Um, the market, we can talk about some more, but incredible market and fan base. Um, incredible Academy, we'll come back to that. I'm a massive believer. And the best thing you can do is identify talent and develop that talent uh, in your system. I mean, there's nothing better than that. Um, and then being able to partner with Ryan Smith, 
who is, I think for me anyway, and I'm sure for the marketplace, you know, sort of the perfect part, right? Um, incredibly bright, incredibly passionate. Um, and, you know, the leading, you know, technology and innovation, you know, executive based in Utah. Uh, oh, and by the way, he owns the Utah Jazz, right? Um, so that's, and he's a great guy. So that, that seems like a pretty good, di- pretty good dynamic. So David, for those that kind of don't understand, I, I, I'm intrigued by how people are viewing Major League Soccer right now and what that conversation starts to sound like. Because as Tony and I, as old guys and starting from virtually day one in this league, have watched the growth in terms of ownership come into Major League Soccer. What does that kind of conversation look on your end with regards to friends, business associates, those that you might know, and how kind of the momentum heading into 2026 looks here in the United States? Yes, I'd I'd put it in two buckets. I'd say number one, from a from a soccer or football perspective, the MLS in the US, it's it's a different conversation with the clubs and the management teams, for lack of a better term, um, people in the ecosystem in Europe. Okay. Historically, it was more a couple of one-off players would would find their way into Europe, et cetera. I mean, more than one off, but you know what I'm saying. Like, mm. um, and and the reality is you can just look at it each year. I mean, I, I was saying to somebody earlier, like if you just watch the difference between the MLS of 2012 and the MLS of 2022, it's dramatically different in terms of just the quality and, and what we're producing um, out of the, the U.S. system, et cetera. And so it's a different discussion. I mean, honestly, I was on the phone with, I don't know, a top three team in the world who um, very, very focused on their scouting and their relationships um, in the U.S., very focused. And, it, you know, probably somebody that picked X number of years ago wouldn't have really thought about it, uh, or at least not the way they do today. And, and same thing with other teams, both that I'm involved in and just being in the ecosystem and, and folks I know and friends. Um, and obviously you're, you're seeing that um, quite, you know, kind of clearly with some of the players going over to Europe and the prices that are getting paid for some of those prices, uh, some of those players going over to, to Europe. And you probably know who I'm thinking about at least over the last two weeks, but but both ways too. And it's European talent or global talent. I shouldn't say European, right? Global talent that's interested in coming over to the MLS. And so I just think you're going to continue to see the league grow its fan base, um, continue to get better and better and continue to see that two-way flow of some players, you know, moving over to Europe, maybe moving over to Europe and then coming back and vice versa. Some folks coming, you know, from Europe, et cetera, uh, into the MLS. So that's on that side. When I kind of put on more of my like, fan hat or whatever, like the number of my friends, right? So I kind of have two cohorts of friends in a sense when it comes to soccer. I have a group of friends that have been diehard soccer fans since we were all grown up in New Jersey town. All right. And you know, some of them and they were diehard fans in the eighties. They're diehard fans today of the sport. Okay. I mean, I still remember going to Cosmos games in the 70 at giant stadium and um, being able to see Pele and like Beckenbauer. That's, that's where my like interest went like sort of crazy other than just as a, you know, a player. But I have another group of friends who were not into soccer um, in terms of having a team they were really rooting for or sort of like into it. And that's like one of the things they would do during the week or the weekend is, is, is kind of watch soccer, et cetera. That has really changed in my opinion in the last decade. And, and it's accelerated in my opinion, even over the last bunch of years. And so I feel like the fan base is growing and I think people tend to have, this is what I hope and I see a lot is they've got their MLS team and they've got their international team. 
right? So they might be a Real Salt Lake fan plus a Barca fan or plus a Man U fan or whatever it is, hopefully plus a Palace fan. That I think you're going to see more and more, that kind of, okay, I've got my big European. It doesn't have to be big. I've got my European club that I'm really into and I've got my MLS club I'm really into and I'm watching them while I'm watching, you know, across the piece. So I just see more and more of that. And again, you know, you know this better than I do, but with the World Cup coming up, I think you'll just see another step function. Again, we're in a growth mode, no question, in this country on, on soccer. But I think you'll see a, you know, you'll, you'll see a big step up and pop uh, as it relates to the World Cup and it getting closer. And, you know, watching, you know, I went out and watched the USA live. I went, I went out to Cincinnati to see the USA play Mexico. I mean, electric, just an absolutely electric atmosphere, let alone how awesome, you know, the U.S. team performed on the, uh, you know, on the pitch. So, you know, just... We just need more of that. We need more people watching that, more people going out and seeing that. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm excited again to be part of that journey in the U.S. And, and the MLS. So, David, you mentioned a couple things, uh, market infrastructure and your partner, right? Let's break them down. Market, uh, Dunny's been telling us forever that this is the foodie capital of the world. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm a Jersey guy, so this is a touchy subject for me. Uh, you, we, we can talk about Ryan Smith a, a, a little find, bit. Your partner. I didn't find a Taylor ham and cheese, Tony. It wasn't that, there. There you go. Taylor ham, and it's not, yeah, uh, that that's what we're going to leave it at, right? It's not a pork roll. I'm not going um, there. <laughs> yeah. So, so, but I want to talk about the infrastructure in particular, o- only because when, uh, however many months ago, a year ago, whatever it was, it was less than a year ago that, that Deloitte Hansen, we found out was no longer going to own the club, all of that stuff. The one thing Dunny had, had sold us all on is the infrastructure is here in this club. They've got everything, youth academy, facilities, great stadium. They, they've got everything you need to run a club. I just wonder in all of your other purchases, how far along was Real Salt Lake when you walked in and said, because I imagine at some clubs you walked in and said, man, we have to build a new training facility. We have to build this, you know, the bleachers have to, I, there, there's something that needs to be done at all of these places. How far along was, was Salt Lake in this purchase when you looked at it as an overall project? Wow. Hey, that's a really good question. There's a lot in there. And so here, let me give you a couple thoughts. Okay. Um, when I looked at the academy, like if you go out there to Harriman, um, it's world-class, hmm. world-class, you know, one of the interesting things at palace was you might know this, but you know, palace is like six miles South of the river, right? London, it is a South London team. And you know how many teams are North of the river. Um, and so what was really interesting to me on palace was it's an absolute hotbed of talent. And once you go below the river, you've got palace. And then from a premiership perspective, anyway, it's, you know, next stop, you know, on one direction, sort of Southampton, another direction, you know, Brighton, but they're not that close. And so your the talent and the players that are there at young ages are incredible. My point of all this is we invested significantly in Palace's Academy over the past couple of years, and we're continuing to. Palace was not cat one. So if you went back two years ago, Palace was playing some great clubs. I mean, they were playing QPR and they were playing, you know, Millwall and they're playing, et cetera, but they weren't playing Man U, Chelsea, you know, Liverpool. Today they are. So we had to get that academy up to, to Cat One status, and that entailed a lot of money and and some great moves by my partner. But we're now a Cat One team, and we're incredible. Um, we don't. We're, I mean, we're at the top of those. Hmm. You know, U fifteen, U seven. I mean, it's it's awesome to see. So again, back to the point I made earlier, being able to identify and develop talent in your system is a huge competitive advantage. So, to your question, I think we all saw it like on the academy side of the equation. Is, is literally world-class. And that is a huge advantage and something that uh, Ryan and I were very attracted to immediately. Um, the stadium's cool. 
Like, I mean, just from the standpoint of playing in that stadium and like the, the environment that you're in, both from the fan base, as well as just looking out on the mountains. I was laughing actually with Dunny, like, Hey, did you ever just like start staring at the mountains when you're playing? Cause it's like mesmerizing. Yeah. Um, it's just a really cool place to, to play and, and, and watch a football match. But look, the reality is, you know, I think there's some work that needs to be done for the fan experience, you know, in, in the stadium. Um, and we'll all, you know, look to address some of those things, et cetera, um, as we go. But the infrastructure at the club is awesome and the people. So and David, by the way, if you, if you look close enough, you'll see Dunny in the mountains just about every <laughs> single morning, just so you know. <laughs> yeah. I'll be up. Yeah, like I told you guys, anytime you want to go up and uh, take one of those ice baths on the uh, melted snowbanks of uh, a nice. big and little Cottonwood Canyon, I'm in. Again, speaking with David Blitzer, co-owner of Real Salt Lake. Um, so, David, when we talk about partners, obviously business partners are extremely important. How, how and, and you and I kind of talked about this, but for the listeners of SiriusXM uh, FC, how did the relationship kind of the personal side was that cultivated with Ryan Smith, maybe through the business perspective, but also through the NBA perspective. Yeah. Well, look, I mean, if I go back in time before Ryan buying into the NBA and, and, and investing in the Utah jazz, I only knew Ryan by reputation. Like we had a ton of mutual friends in common. And so I'd hear about Ryan Smith. I don't know that he heard anything about me. I doubt it. Right. But I heard about, right. And he's building up one of the great technology companies in the country. I mean, talk yeah. about it's an amazing, success story, which, which is just cool. Um, and so like from afar, I had like my crush on Ryan. Right. Um, but then Ryan invested in the Utah jazz and became part of the NBA and, and I got to know. Him. Um, and then once that happened, um, then the fact that we had all these mutual friends together, et cetera, it was just natural that we started talking about stuff. You know, um, we were talking about basketball and we were talking about Qualtrics and we we're talking about the tech ecosystem in Utah and just, you know, whatever. Um, and, you know, I got to know him better and, and, and vice versa. And as you well know, I mean, Ryan was a pretty logical person here to invest in the team once it was going to go to new ownership. But Ryan was pretty busy. Uh, <laughs> and when and, and this all first came up, you know, Ryan, uh, he tells the story much. Uh, you know, it's very funny. But at the end of the day, you know, he. He, he bought the Jazz, right? And um, and is very focused on that and has done an amazing job even in his, whatever it's been, 15 months or so um, with that franchise. And so for me, it was it was a given that I would want to be partnered with Ryan. I let him know that. And I think Ryan just spent more time with me, more time with his partners, thinking about, is this something he wanted to do at this time together? And, and then we both concluded, yes, this, this timing works. We do want to do this together. Um, and that just, that was the final, if you want to call it straw, right? I decided I really liked the franchise and the market and, and the system, et cetera. I wanted to be in the MLS, but then it was about being able to do it with, with Ryan. And I do, I always talk about sometimes it's just timing, right? And that the timing worked for both of us. And, uh, that's kind of it. I mean, I, I yeah, it seems like a great partnership. You guys are uh, going to take this team in the right direction. I don't think there's any question about that. So, so David, as an owner, um, I grew up a Yankee fan. I, I thought I saw a Jeter jersey behind you to start this thing. That might be a hint that you're a Yankee fan. But I grew up, my, my image of an owner was George Steinbrenner, right? Yeah, <laughs> hire manager, fire him a month later, and then hire him back two months Yankees, later. Man? What's that? 
Didn't you get drafted by the Yankees? I, I did. Yeah, that's a whole different conversation <laughs> for sure. But, but but then I but then I grew up and I and I played and, and my vision of an owner became Lamar Hunt because I played so many years mm. in, in Kansas City and Lamar Hunt and George Steinbrenner couldn't be any further apart on the spectrum with regards to owners, right? And I don't mean that in any disparaging way to anybody, yep. but as a Real Salt Lake fan. What's my expectation uh, of David? And then I'll throw Ryan in there, obviously, because he's going to be an important part of this, of this ownership group. What, what Are you the guy that sits in the luxury box and, you know, is eating the shrimp? Are you the guy with the button up jacket and you're on the sideline and, or, or in that first row with the fans? All right. Well, there's some easy answers to that. And there's some not as easy. And there's some I don't even know yet in terms of uh, non-answers. But let's start with the I am definitely not eating shrimp. And, uh, you know, I, I'm with fans. Love uh, it. Now it might be freezing one day and I go into a box. No, we get it. We get it. <laughs> but no, 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 look, I'm, I'm a passionate fan. Okay. So again, sports can be complicated from an investment standpoint in general, but like, it's also complicated being a fan because I pride mm. myself. I don't get that emotional. You know, you have long seasons, right? I mean, shit, the NBA is 82 games, you know, um, what are we? 38 in the MLS? 34 and growing. Yeah. 34 and growing. So it'll be 38 really soon. Um, you're right. It's 38 for palace. And that doesn't even include the FA cup and the caribou cup and yeah. hopefully champions league. And, you know, um, look, these are a lot of games. These are long seasons and, and, and having visceral reactions to like specific moments in games is hard as a fan. Cause yeah. I'm a fan. So anyway, um, I like to keep, you know, uh, there's, we're going to have high points. We're gonna have low points. There's no question. Um, you know, even the champions of the league have, have their moments during, uh, you know, each season, et cetera. So look, the reality is fan first in that sense, but I get what you're saying on the, you know, what type of owner and look, I don't try to pigeonhole myself into anything because circumstances change and, you know, et cetera. But look, I'm definitely the kind of person that hires a great team, great set of, you know, managers, um, and let them do the job. And I'm here to help. Like, I think, I gave everybody my cell phone and my email address. And I was like, I'm easy to find if you want to talk to me or you want to, if you have a question, like <laughs> call me or, or, you know, or email me or whatever. My point is like, I'm not deep into the, the weeds in that sense. I, I think that's why you hire excellent people and let them do their jobs. Do I expect to be involved in major decisions? Of course. Sure. Right. Yeah. But not, you know, not in a meddling way, I guess is the way I would put it. Again, speaking with David Blitzer, owner of Real Salt Lake, uh, Brian Dunst, Tony Mueller, Thursday afternoon here on Counterattack. So, David, I uh, last Thursday we do the press conference, we do kind of the introduction. Afterwards, it was a great lunch that I had to dip after about 15 minutes on because I had to come back and do the show with Tony Miola. And I'm going to blow Tony Miola's head out of the water right now because I'm sitting there and I've got Nick Ramondo, I've got David Blitzer, I've got Ryan Smith, Kyle Beckerman, and they bring up Miola. And they're like, Uh-oh. talking about Tony Miola. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, God, this is what I got to deal with again. But it was, a, it, you know, everyone's talking about Miola. And that's when David said that he played against you in high school, basketball, soccer, baseball, knowing the legend of Tony Miola. So, David, please co-sign the picture that I've painted <laughs> for our fans and our listeners here on Sirius XMFC on Counterattack, that Tony Miola in a leather jacket, tight jeans, a T-top high rock, cruising down the street, you know, at like whatever, midnight at three miles an hour. Please tell me that's Tony Miola through your eyes. <laughs> Oh, he's good, David. He's good. I deal with it every day. <laughs> the only thing I don't know, okay? That you painted a great picture there. I don't know if Tony had an IROC. 
Okay. I didn't know him well enough to, to, to have I that can either answer. confirm nor deny <laughs> that report, David. <laughs> but I would say that my best friend had an IROC. So I was rolling around Jersey in the passenger seat. Love it. Back in 1986 and 1987 for sure. But look, I mean, I, and I'm not just saying this because we're sitting here. I mean, Tony Miola is, is just an absolute legend, right? So, and, and Tony, uh-huh. you know how amazing the talent was in New Jersey at that time. I mean, must have been at least five or six of you that all ended up on the national team. Yeah. Okay, and that's just soccer, right? So you and Harks and I don't know, Tab might have been a year or so older. I don't remember exactly. Yeah, a year older. Yeah, yeah. You know, it was it was incredible. And then you all went to Virginia too, right? So it was like Kearney or Westfield or St. Benny's and then like Virginia and then like national team. Maybe not even in that order. But um, but the amazing thing I always said about Tony Miola, right? So first off, and again, these are, my memory is not awesome, but I'll give you like, you played both striker and goal. And I forget like when it switched off, but you were the best player in the state as a striker and as a goalie. Obviously, your career turned in was goalie, but you played striker a whole bunch. I don't remember exactly when. In my senior year, yeah, actually. Um, I, I would have put some fear in Dunny. That's what I would have done. I may not have scored a goal, but I would have given him some fear, David. I don't That's have those big sure. old hands anywhere <laughs> but, near me. And they had the best team in the state, okay? So it was annoying. Like, Scotch Plains was on the up and coming, as you might remember. We, like, started to get good. And, and then continued to get really good, of course, when I was gone. Um, <laughs> but uh, McCartney was the, was the gold standard, right? The problem, the thing that was always annoying about Tony Miola, forget how good he was at soccer, is he was the best player in the state at baseball. And I don't know if you were the best player in the state at basketball, but you could play. It was, you know, you were a baller. So having somebody be that good an athlete across anything is annoying when you're not as good an athlete. <laughs> The other folks, let alone that, that you know, weren't your friends at, at, at your high school or your you know surrounding areas, et cetera. So for me, growing up, it was always like Tony Miola was on this like pedestal of you know New Jersey rock star Hall of Fame, or not even New Jersey, freaking U.S. Jersey at the time. And then watching you then go play for the national team, right? While I'm sitting there in college, and then going to World Cups, right? I've been going to most World Cups since '90. Not everyone, but most. Um, and so then just see the people that you competed against at a different part of your life, take it up to that level was just, it was cool. We talked well, about I, I appreciate that. And now we're all working on the same team here, trying to build well, major I'll, league I'll soccer, need right? The leather so. jacket and the like strolling down Main Street <laughs> for another, for another time. Uh, <laughs> so, so quickly before I let you go and, and really appreciate your time, yeah. kind of what, what's, what's sort of a uh, short term right now that needs to happen for you as we get we're inching really close and quickly to the beginning of this major league soccer season. Yeah. Look, the timing is, you know, is, is interesting in that um, we had to move really quickly to get this transaction closed. And the reality is that with the world cup this year, as you well know, being, um, you know, in November, uh, the season moved up, I don't know, whatever it is, five weeks, six weeks, something like that. And so the turnaround time um, to when opening game is this year is really, really incredibly tight. I feel for the players. Um, I mean, the, the, how fast they have to turn it around and, and be ready to go at, at the levels that they are is, is quite amazing. But so, look, there's a lot. I mean, the team's in great shape. And as you know, we're super excited that that Pablo agreed to not just stay, but stay and extend. Right. And um, again, fan. It's kind of funny. Right. You know, I was a fan of Pablo's as a player. Um, amazing, amazing player, an amazing yeah. player for the U.S. national team. And then similarly, which we won't have time for today, like Patrick Vieira. I mean, Patrick Vieira was one of my two favorite players in the premiership not that long ago. And then now he's our manager at Crystal Palace. It's just a weird thing. I went down to see him before the break and I'm like, holy shit, 
That's beer. <laughs> right? <laughs> so my point is, I think Pablo has a very good sense of where, where we are as a team. He knows what we need to do. There need to be a couple things that still need to happen between now and the, you know, the start of the season, but luckily not a lot. I think, I think he's locked in on, on, um, you know, what he wants, but you know, I, my guess is you'll see, you know, one or two things happen over the next, you know, kind of 48 weeks in terms of addition, um, to the system, but you know how these things are, you just never know until like the last second that X or Y, you know, uh, could happen, but, but we're excited to start the season. I'm excited about the team. I'm excited about Pablo. And I just hope, look, you know how the MLS is, you know, the reality is it's a hard league. Yeah. And, you know, you might be really good one year and the following year, whether it's injuries or just the fact that there's so much parity in the league, which I think is great for fans and great for the league. Um, but so I feel really good going into this season, but then, then we're going to get on the pitch and see how it goes. And, you know, sometimes it's just unlucky, right? Like uh, yeah. you could be playing great. And just lose that game 2-1 or or tie a game that you really dominated. And so points are hard. Um, but I'm but I'm excited and I, the team, you know, the team will be ready. Well, listen, we wish you all the best. Uh, obviously, we get it uh, every week through Dunny and what's going on there. We're excited to have you and uh, Ryan in the league here. I think it's great. And, and hopefully I can get out there to Salt Lake. I haven't seen a game out there yet. Uh, I'd love to get out there. But but uh, as always, thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it. You got it. Thank you very much. Appreciate being on. Thanks, Thank you, guys. David. There you have it, David Blitzer, a co-owner of Real Salt Lake here in their recent purchase. A lot to digest there uh, from David Blitzer, but a lot of great things uh, happening, as you can tell, from the energy uh, in Real Salt Lake. And that's it for today's show. Thanks for listening, everybody. We uh, appreciate all the love that you gave Ryan and myself and the guests throughout 2021. Uh, we're going to expect to do things bigger, better, more consistently, more broadly, and more specifically in certain circumstances here in 2022, what's shaping up to be obviously a new era for Real Salt Lake. RSL 4.0, the David Blitzer, Ryan Smith era kicking off extremely quickly. But as always, we appreciate you, your time. Please don't forget to download, subscribe, rate, and share. We need a bigger audience uh, for our sponsors and for all of RSL Nation. So we need you to help us uh, get there and spread the love for what is sure to be an incredible 18th season of Major League Soccer in Utah for Real Salt Lake.